0: Hello and welcome to You Lost Me at Namaste, where we discuss all things wellness, well-being and spirituality at the real world 101 level. I'm your host and well-being alchemist, Michelle Schoenfeld, and I'm thrilled that you're joining me for this episode today. So I've been teasing all season about two shows coming up that were going to be just a one-on-one with me answering your questions. And a lot came in, so thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you didn't send one in and you want to, it's not too late because the second show, the second part of this, I probably won't do for another month or so. And I'll probably do a couple every season. So it's never too late, depending on when you're hearing this podcast, to go ahead and send me in your questions. It can be on energy healing, relationship, crystals, chakras, or personal things for me. I'll answer anything, anything that you need. So here goes. (laughs) I decided to break it up, and this part one is going to be dedicated to all the questions that came in that were directed towards uh, basically me personally, to be honest, and my story. So that's what we're going to talk about today. There's some great ones in there, and to also help clarify a few things that I have mentioned in different shows throughout the last three seasons that people wanted to know a little bit more about. And most of these questions I've answered personally back to the person, but if I got it more than two or three times, I thought it would be a good one to cover on the show because I figure if somebody else is interested, then maybe you are as well. So before I go into the questions, um, I just want to let you know this podcast is now being listened to in over 80 countries. I'm so excited. And this episode today is my 50th episode. I'm so incredibly stoked about that. Because this started over three years ago as a radio show, um, part of the Wellness Wednesday for Eaton Radio Station in Washington, D.C. And I had quite a studio, uh, three-sized glass overlooking the city. Really, really loved that experience there. But if you go back and listen to episodes in season one and two on energy healing or chakras or alkaline, you might notice the sound quality is really different. And that's because it was difficult taking it from radio recordings, since I didn't always have the masters, and turning it into this podcast to reach more people worldwide. So that's why it sounds different. And it was also a little different format because it was a live radio show, which was so much fun. And um, I will probably entertain doing something like that again in the future. So I just wanted to share that I'm super excited. The 50th episode <laughs> in 80 plus countries around the world. So thank you, thank you to everybody. I really appreciate it. It's definitely um, a very rewarding and fulfilling experience, and I love all your comments and reviews, and and I just appreciate all of you out there who have been listening and been part of this journey. And for those of you who are new or just finding me, thank you. Welcome, <laughs> and feel free to go back to the library and look up any kind of topic that might interest you, because I really want this show to be a resource library for all things wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Basically, that, that space between Prada and Prana <laughs> that maybe you want to know more about and just didn't know who to ask, or maybe you were embarrassed to ask, or weren't even sure what the topics were. So you can go back and listen and learn just a little bit about a lot of different things, From detoxing and alkaline, like I said, chakras and EFT, star seeds, earth angels, um, CBD, magic mushrooms, tantric sex, so many different topics. Why I think the Kardashians might be good for us and my personal experience with Kate Moss, Um, my life in Turkey, life in D.C., so many things. (laughs) So I will stop there. I'll let you go back and check it for yourself. So um, I also wanted to point out that this podcast has evolved a little bit into telling stories. And so often I have come across really amazing dynamic healers that are specialists in their arena. And instead of necessarily talking about their craft so much, we end up hearing their personal story. There is a lot of commonalities in um healers, a lot of healers have gone through a, uh, traumatic life events, maybe a sickness. Um, and I'm going to go into that a little bit later so I won't say too much now. but what I found is these really dynamic interesting people, their story was even um, more interesting, I guess I hate to keep using that word, but to listen to then what necessarily the topic was. So if you like hearing people's personal stories, I encourage you to go back and check out the episodes um, that were done by Gabe, who is a healer and wellness expert out of Thailand, or Sash, who does Qigong and Ayurvedic medicine. He's originally Iranian, studied in India, but lives in Turkey. Um, there's also Gul Sonmez, who is a fantastic healer and channeler who lives in Luxembourg, there is uh, my last week's guest, who is phenomenal, Gerardo Arieta, who is a Chilean medicine man and shaman, um, again, from South America, and just so many really, really great stories of people and how they got into wellness or how they kind of became a healer and woke up to their gifts, um, which I guess will lead me in to what my next question will be. I very often get asked what kind of a healer I am or how I became a healer. Like, what is my background? What is my experience? And so I'm going to go ahead and address that. Like many healers out there, so I consider myself um, an energy healer. I do a lot of different things. But my background um, was very mainstream for the majority of my life I um, had a very mainstream life. I have two kids. I lived in the beautiful suburbs. I ran a business, country club, tennis, nice car, beach house, beautiful vacations, all that kind of stuff. Very mainstream, not really in touch with my healing abilities, which is fine. It was wonderful. I love my children. I love the experiences. But I did always feel like something was missing inside. And a lot of it had to do with self-love, for sure. But I just felt like no matter what I was doing, I wasn't living my true calling. And I knew there was something more out there for me, but I didn't know what it was. And I um, put a Band-Aid on it. I drank a little too much. I shopped a little too much. I kept myself busy all the time. I really didn't know how to just be still. I didn't know how to be alone with myself, which is interesting because as an only child, I also like a lot of alone time. But I would use that alone time to work out, do pilates, go shopping, do projects, work in the garden. And again, not that there's anything wrong with those, but I wasn't doing any self-reflection. I wasn't doing anything to kind of tap in and figure out what I was supposed to be doing. Why did I feel like I was missing something? And um and it was it was a lot, you know. I was in a, a unhealthy relationship, ended up then getting cancer then uh, fighting for my life. And it was through fighting for my life that I found my healing abilities. It started as looking for alternative therapies to heal myself. I had stage three breast cancer and I did do mainstream medicine. I went through um, two years of treatment between chemotherapy and radiation therapy and a clinical trial and all sorts of stuff. Uh, skin and bones put me in heart failure, saved my life. In a lot of ways, I never say, fuck cancer, excuse me, because in a lot of ways, it saved my life. It woke me up to my true purpose, and it also made me realize that I was pretty darn lucky. I had an amazing life. I was born into an amazing package. I came in an amazing time in the world to be a woman in a fantastic country, and of course, nothing is perfect. Of course, there's so many problems with the world, but if you look at if you take a step back and look at where we are in history... Is pretty wonderful um, from where I was coming from, and I just couldn't figure out how to be happy. So I learned through my cancer that life was worth fighting for, and it started with, I didn't want my children to lose their mother. I didn't want my parents to lose another child, but it wasn't because I wanted to live for myself. Then I learned that I really wanted to live for myself, and I was going to fight to have the best life possible with the remaining time I have, knowing that every day is a new day. It could be hit by a bus tomorrow. I never looked too far in the future. I just looked at where I was in the moment, living in the present, really for the first time in my life. And part of that was also looking at ways to heal spiritually, mentally, physically, I changed to an alkaline diet to help with my cancer. I started doing meditation. I started taking courses. And through the courses and through the healing, I found some really amazing mentors. And then through that, I learned, wow, I really can make quick progress. I want to help other people learn how to do this. If I can learn how to heal myself, and then I learned everybody has the ability to heal themselves, how can I help other people do that as well? How can I help other people find that zest for life and heal from past trauma and heal from sadness and find self-love and motivation and joy and just have more days where you wake up and go, aha, without getting sick, (laughs) without going through a terrible divorce, without uh, hitting rock bottom and just feeling sad, without feeling hopeless. Like, I wanted to help other people find this and heal before they had to go to the dark places that I had to go to. And again, I am not regretful. There's certain things I'm not proud of for sure, but I had to experience all those things to find my way, but let me help other people find their way without going to those dark places. So that's how my healing journey started. And then I you know, as I started learning that, wow, I can heal. Not only am I an energy healer and I can help you learn how to heal, but I actually have the ability to heal with my hands. I am clairvoyant, clairsentient. I'm an intuitive. I didn't know all this. And as it started coming back, even five years ago, I was too shy to admit this because it sounds crazy. What do you mean you're an intuitive and you can help people heal and you can connect to spirit guides and Akashic records and all these things that started flooding in? Well, You know, I started working with a mentor, which is so important. Um, Arete Horn was my mentor. She started out as like my mainstream Western therapist who had this alternative side to her. And then when I got sick with my cancer, and she said, let's go back to the source of your pain if you're open to this, you know, kind of alternative way of healing. And then she became my mentor through my um, growth as a healer and somebody I could talk to and discuss the things that were happening to me on the intuitive side and the healing side and be taken seriously and give me validation. Um, I worked with Deborah King. I did my master energy healing with her. She's fantastic. Uh, Teresa Lepore out of the UK. And she's the one who told me to stop taking classes and stop doing that because it's in, it's in me. It's who I am. And all I need to do is really remember and pay attention and start to wake up to it. It's not something you can be taught. Your skills, of course, can be fine-tuned but it's not something you can be taught. So she's really the one who then helped me have faith in myself and trust in my abilities and not feel like I was crazy. It was really interesting in the beginning um, as an intuitive when it started happening. And I would be out at a restaurant or I'd be at the beach and I would get this download of information about somebody and I felt compelled to tell them, but they might not be asking for a reading. And I definitely creeped some people out and crossed some boundaries that... I've obviously learned not to do, but that was part of waking up as a a baby intuitive, I should say. Um, And then I told my mom all about this. Uh, My mom's very open to the spiritual realm and doesn't do a lot herself, but is really open to it. And she reminded me, she's like, oh yeah, well, when you were a child, you talked about light beings and you drew people as balls of light because you saw their aura and you saw their energy and you talked about angels, and in fact, um, there was a test I had to take to get into kindergarten. She wanted to put me into kindergarten at four, because in a lot of ways, I was really smart, and in those days, you could do that with a test. And I pretty much passed everything, but I failed the draw your family, because I drew my family as balls of light with, like, legs, but then all these rays of light coming out. Um, and so she reminded me that I did those things when I was a child, because I hadn't really been shamed yet, or I hadn't forgotten about it, and I also um, was intuitive and would talk about things that hadn't happened yet, and she would always wonder what I was talking about. And then, you know, within a day or hours or a week, exactly what I had described would would happen. And again, I didn't remember any of this. She reminded me, and it made me happy. I actually cried a little bit because it was tears of you know crying is just a release of energy. Anytime you cry, by the way, but for me, it was happy tears because it it resonated as truth it resonated as, wow, this really is my role. I am this healer. I am this light being. And we all, to some degree, are. But for me specifically, my role in this lifetime is to help people heal, is to talk about this kind of thing and bring it to a broader audience to help awaken others. But at a level where if you're interested, then you'll learn more about it on your own. Anything I talk about, if it resonates... You're like, oh, that was really great basic information. And then you can go find out more because everybody has different things that resonate with them. Everybody has different experiences in their life that will help them wake up. So if you're still listening to this podcast, that probably means that you're interested in this kind of esoteric spiritual discussion. Either that or you're related to me. (laughs) Thanks, mom, for listening. (laughs) Um, And I'm very blessed, by the way, to have two moms. I'm recording this on Mother's Day in Bodrum, Turkey, and everybody's sleeping in the United States. And I have my mom, my biological mom, soulmate, uh, fairy princess woman, love her to death. And then I also have my stepmother who is equally wonderful and loving soul. And she's been part of my life, um, basically my entire life. So my dad remarried when I was about two years old. So I've had these two very different, but loving dynamic women in my life. And I'm grateful. So a little shout out to them. So anyway, if you're still listening, that means you're probably interested in this type of thing. There's something that resonates, and it could be having dreams that come true. It could be feeling energy. You know, When you walk into a room and you can feel the energy, and maybe you're really excited because you want to be with the people, and maybe something doesn't feel right, that's energy. We can feel it, right? Um, And the more you're aware of energy... Maybe you go to dinner with a group of people and everybody there you like. They're your friends, of course, but there's always that one person you don't really want to sit next to. And you can't explain why. Well, it's because their energy doesn't resonate with you or just maybe they don't have great energy at the time. So those are all kind of energy things. When people say, oh, but you can't see it. It's like, yeah, I also can't see the signal of sending a photo from my cell phone halfway around the world to a friend's cell phone, right? I can't see that either. It goes up into the satellite to the sky somewhere and shows up on their phone in less than a second. Like, that's pretty amazing. It's the same with energy. You can send energy out to other people for healing, for happiness, for love, for whatever, just like that, in a snap, that quickly. You can send it around the world. You can send it to the world. That's one of my favorite things is is going up and visualizing myself rising up out of my body, being above the earth and spreading these big, beautiful wings and wrapping them around the earth and just giving it a nice hug or sending out light and just letting it filter all around the world into anybody's mind, body, heart, soul that needs a little extra light, that needs a little extra happiness and love. So that's part of the healing I know I digressed because I just love this stuff so much. And usually I have a topic on the show. I'm not talking about this kind of thing. Um, So, yeah. So I find myself as this Potomac housewife. And literally, um, I was part of the exploratory cast of The Real Housewife of D.C. And they came and filmed at my house and at my business. And at the time, my son, who was in a private um, high school, really was not into it. He did not want our lives exposed. And that was the right decision, decision, I'm sure. So I thank him for that. Um, So that didn't happen. And then eight years later, found myself as part of the cast of the Potomac Housewives franchise. And at the time when we filmed the pilot, it wasn't sold to Bravo yet as the Potomac Housewives. It was um, told to me, it was going to be a a show about women um, between, you know, like 35 and 45 that were interested in philanthropy and were big on the DC scene. And I thought, oh, this could be fun. Like, you know, I'll do this. Um, and again, it, it didn't resonate when we filmed it. It did not resonate at all with me. It was not consistent with who I was. And luckily, I was able to get out of that contract. But it's interesting that at two times, I had this very like kind of, uh, I don't want to say superficial in a, a negative way, but just, you know, this media oh, um, uh, materialistic part of me and then i find myself 8 years later interviewing one of the housewives' daughters lolly amons her mother was mary amons from the Washington housewife show who i adore by the way as well i'm interviewing lolly who is explaining cbd to us in a scientific uh, um, health benefit type of way and i've actually become very good friends with her so you just never know where life goes and how it wraps around so i go from this like you know mainstream to Um, kind of feeling like a hippie healer living in Turkey and working at wellness retreats. So um, let's see if I can wrap this up a little bit. I'm so sorry. This is just so exciting for me to talk about. So then I started working as a healer, right? So I started doing private sessions. I started doing group meditations. I started doing um, therapy for clients all around the world, and I loved it. It gave me validation. It gave me sense of purpose. It um, I had clients telling me that I changed their life. I, I had um, people tell me they worked with therapists for, you know, 10, 12 years and made hardly any progress and worked with me one time and felt like they had the major breakthrough to change their life. And so hearing things like that really gave me the validation that what I was doing was good and it was important and that it, I was using my gifts for the right, in the right way for the right reason. And again, like I love doing it. But then it kind of morphed, you know, and I still love doing that. But I realized, okay, it is wonderful to work one-on-one with people. Um, I totally enjoyed it and I still do. But I felt my own ability as a healer and my own um, role in this lifetime was, was evolving. And that it was time for me to start reaching a broader audience to have more of an impact on more people. And so that's what I'm doing now with this podcast. And that's what I do with my public speaking. And hopefully my book, if I ever publish it, um, is to really just kind of help reach a much broader audience. So I hope that answers the question is like how I became this healer. And again, I do have certifications. I'm a master energy healer. Um, I went through all the training to for mindfulness and meditation. I'm actually on faculty at one of the big... Uh, Meditation schools, and I work with private clients or private students, which I love. Oh my gosh, I was working with a student yesterday in Philadelphia. He's just fantastic, a young um, Afro American man who, um, like I said, lives in Philly and was a boxer and now is a meditation instructor himself. And I helped him through his his um, process, and I just I love seeing what he's doing. He's really going to make a huge difference in the lives of a lot of young people especially young men, I believe. So I I just love you. Just never know where life is going to take you. And um, and yes, that's my story as a healer. And I also want to bring up that a lot of healers have something in common. And that is that they go through something really traumatic. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because if you're listening to this and you feel like you might actually be a healer, or maybe you're going through something traumatic, or maybe you did go through something traumatic, but you're not sure what's coming next. I just want to mention that, I don't want to say unfortunately because it's part of the process, and it and I have a lot of gratitude for what I've been through. But a lot of healers, pretty much all healers, have gone through a really traumatic life um, stage, and it could be severe trauma, it could be addiction, it could be abuse, it could be there's uh, illness. So many things that help people kind of wake up. And if you look at even famous people like Oprah, like look at the first part of her life, right? Or Wayne Dyer. Um, you know, I come across people, even uh, Metin Hara, who I've become friends with, who's big in Turkey. In the United States, they don't know who he is so much yet, um, but he's fantastic. And you know, he was a journalist, you know, at 20, and now he's like really this world-famous um, spiritual healer and activator. So... It's just so common. And if you listen to the stories of the people that I've interviewed as well, they'll talk about childhood trauma. They'll talk about an illness. They'll talk about an abusive relationship. And so it's like we have to, we're spiritual beings, right? We're spiritual beings that incarnate in this human form. We're living this human experience. And the things that we go through are so important to our development. They're things that we need to experience a lot of times to really be able to help other people to understand it firsthand, to have that like authentic voice and compassion because we've lived it it ourselves. So just have faith that whatever you've been through, um, don't be sad about it. Let it go. Embrace it. Honor it. Accept it. Acknowledge it. And then let it go. Let it go, right? And remind yourself that you lived through it. You made it through It happened for a reason, whether you understand or not, but you made it. You did it. It's in the past. You survived it. You're safe. You're loved. You're wonderful. The universe wants you here for a reason. You have big things ahead of you. So don't look back, right? Don't look back. We're not going that direction. So it doesn't mean you just want to forget about it. You don't want to bury it deep and pretend like it never happened. You do want to acknowledge it. But then let it filter out and let it go. It's behind you. It's in the past. It's not part It's part of your story, but it's not part of where you're going. So you don't need to think about it anymore. You can just let it go and see it as like a, a TV show that you watched once. It happened. It's over. And, and, and that's it. So And know that you're not alone, by the way. That's really um, what I want to say is that you're not alone. And if you're not sure if you're a healer or not, but you still have had this traumatic, the same thing goes for you. It's over, it's past, you survived it. Give yourself a hug, a pat on the back, cut yourself some slack, right? Release the judgment. It wasn't your fault. Even if you feel like it was, even if you had a role that you played in it, still let it go. It's over. Congratulations, you made it through. (laughs) Um, So that was a really long answer (laughs) to that. That's a really long answer. Um, And then also somebody asked me about um, my past life, experiences, my past life regressions, because I've mentioned those in a couple episodes. So I am going to share a a little bit more clarity. Somebody asked me to clarify them. So the reason I went through the first past life regression was actually when I had cancer, when I was first diagnosed and really scared. And I worked again with Erit Horn. I'll put her contact information in the show notes. And she said, if you're open to it, let's go back to the source of your pain. Let's see if we can find in a past life where this pain originated. And, you know, I wasn't into this kind of thing before. I haven't done this before. But I had learned along the way that there's so much validity in this type of thing. And so I went in with an open mind, open heart. I was like, yeah. You know, I was desperate. I was scared. It was really scary to find out stage 3 cancer. It was on my left side. Um, I've never had an abortion. I had not had a lost pregnancy. I didn't have any major female trauma that I knew about. I have no family history whatsoever. I don't have the gene. Um, I just couldn't figure it out. So the first past life regression was really exciting. And I'm going to do a whole show on it, actually, so I won't give it all away now, but I'll give you the cliff version, uh, cliff note version. And so we go back, we do the regression, and she wants me to go back to the source of my pain. And the first place that I land, the first one, was um, I was a man. And I was in battle somewhere between Germany and France and that area of the world. It was um, several hundred years ago. And I had been stabbed. And I was stabbed by a farmer. And I remember seeing the look in his eyes. I was stabbed right in the left side, exactly where my cancer was. And the look, he was like a farmer. And you know, he had to fight. I had to fight. We were against each other. And I remember the look in his eyes of just being so sorry and so sad. And like he didn't want to stab me. But he did. It was war. It was what was happening. And um, I didn't die, actually. I was stabbed and I was sick for a long time, but I made it through. I didn't die. So then we went deeper. We went to another time. And this time, again, I was a man, which is really interesting. And at first I thought it was a woman because I saw, you know, I had kind of like longer hair and I was wearing something that looked like a dress, but it wasn't a dress. And my hair was a little bit longer, but I was still a guy. And ultimately I was stabbed by a woman. And I was stabbed in the exact same place, and I did die. And it was an arranged marriage, and um, there was no malice. It was more over, I was a land, I was a lord, but for land. And um, it was more of a property, and who was going to get the land. And it was, I remember having the confusion in my eyes, and just really feeling like betrayed, but also like really confused, and really like, but wow, I really loved her. And why would she do this? And um, again, it wasn't personal. And there's more to it. I'll do a whole show on this because it's actually a really beautiful story. Um, and you see it like a movie in your mind when it happens. And you remember everything when you come out of the hypnoti- the regression. Um, but what was really interesting is that I was able to get a name, a location, and a date. And when I went home the next day, I woke up, I pulled up my computer, and I Googled it. I put in the name, I put in the date, and sure enough, the name popped up. It was a real person in history. And they were murdered on my birthday, which was really, really interesting um, in, in 1668. And the fact that there was even record of that was pretty phenomenal. And I slammed my computer shut. It freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, there's no way that, wait, what? And I um, and it's not somebody who's super famous. There's no way that like maybe I'd seen this in a movie or read it in history. It's nobody famous, but it, there was record because of the land. And so I I called the person who had done it and I said, oh my gosh. And she's like, well, yeah, it's real. Why did you doubt it? I'm like, well, I didn't doubt it. I just like, oh my God, it's real. And she's like, yeah, it's real. Just be grateful because the first one that she had done was like, you know, uh, an unhappy lawyer or somebody who had been, who committed suicide, like something that wasn't like gracious or great and exciting, you know, at least mine was like an adventure. Um, and, you know, so often we do these regressions and people want to be a princess. They want to be famous. They want to be something substantial, you know, and that's not how it works. Past life regressions really should be done more for therapy, not necessarily entertainment. And it's for a purpose. It's, it's for a purpose of discovery. And, um, and another one I did through my healing process, and, you know, I've always been drawn to India. Love India. In fact, my girlfriend Bella is always like, you should have been born Indian. Like, you're definitely like... You know, She just teases me about it. She is Indian, but I was obsessed. There were several years that I was obsessed with everything Indian, everything from India. And of course, I have the connection through my family. My grandfather helped with um, wildlife sanctuaries in India for years and invited me to go with him and I never did. And that is one of my regrets is that I never went to India with him. But it's more than that. I like the food. I like the culture. I like the men. I like the clothing. I like... Um, just the whole past lives, just so many wonderful things. When I'm around Indian people, I feel like I'm home. Um, I I can't explain it when I've been drawn to this. In fact, one of my closest friends, you know, there was somebody I had a huge crush on who was Indian. Um, And she sent me, you know, I told her about it and she sent me a photograph, the picture of vogue india and it was this beautiful like indian bride in this sari and i just remember smiling and my whole body like being excited because it felt like me i was like yes i want to be that indian bride on the cover of the magazine which is so silly because you know i'm don't look anything like i'm indian i have never lived there i haven't i don't it doesn't make any sense i'd have this connection so i'm digressing again i go back i have another past life regression as part of the healing journey. And it turns out I was a young girl um, living on the streets in India, and I cut my hair very short and wore boys clothes to pass myself off as a boy peasant because I didn't want anybody to know as a girl for safety reasons, you know, living on the street. And interestingly enough, um, there's somebody I know in my life now who was also in this regression. And in this, he was either my brother or an older cousin, or a friend, I'm not really sure. I was maybe 12, 13, he was maybe 15. And his whole purpose was to protect me. And he saved me numerous times and was just like my protector. It was his idea that I dress like a boy and keep my hair short. And it made so much sense as to why I have such a strong connection to this person in this life who I really don't know very well and don't see very often, but I feel a major connection to. So that was really interesting to have him in this other past life. So, and unfortunately in that life, I did end up dying and I came out of it before I saw how it, which means it was probably really traumatic, I'm guessing. And it was again, somewhere when I was around 12, 13 is when I left that life. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm guessing it was a violent uh, death and I pulled right out of it and I was sweaty and and crying, but I felt okay. I didn't feel traumatized from it. It was just like, wow, um, what an interesting, an interesting story. Um, So anyway, I hope that answers your questions about the past life experiences. There are people who do it all around the world You want somebody who's really good, really ethical. Do your research and make sure you're picking somebody who really knows what they're doing and isn't just like doing it for the money or um, that you know you can trust and feel safe with. So a lot of times they're hypnotherapists. um, They're alternative healers. But you want somebody with a lot of experience because it is um, not as easy as just, oh, yay, I'm a princess. Because sometimes you can uncover things that are traumatic or difficult. And you want to make sure that the person is equipped and um, knowledgeable enough, and has the skills to help you through that. You never want to open a door and just leave it open. You want to make sure that you can close it back in a safe way. So again, they're wonderful experiences for therapy, but make sure that you do your research and know know who you're using. So another question I have gotten asked is about my mandala, uh, what mandala is, and in, um, in my uh, draw to it. So mandala is beautiful art, right? It looks like those flowers, like rings of flowers coming out from the center. And it is an Indian origin meditation, actually, a beautiful, beautiful meditation. Because as you draw the mandala, they say it's like the story of your soul, the story of your life. As you draw it, your body goes into like a trance. It goes into this really beautiful like autopilot trance as you're drawing these designs And I love teaching mandala. I absolutely love it. I like to do small groups, no more than 10 or 12. um, And then I'll read it afterwards. I'll go ahead and do a reading of the person's life and what's to come a little bit from what they drew. And it always blows people away because it is very accurate. That's part of me being an intuitive, but it's also part of my gift of being able to read people's mandala. And again, it's just the first one you do. It's not for art purposes. It's just that first meditation mandala you do. It's a really fun um, fun exercise. And another thing I love about mandala, and when you look at it, like especially when you draw your own mandala, but even if it's not your own, if you have one you know, like a plate or you have a piece of art or it's on fabric or whatever, and if you look really closely, like just put it a few inches from your face, you see all the mistakes. You see that all the petals aren't actually even. You see that the designs aren't always consistent. Um, maybe lines don't touch, things like that. You see the problems with it or the mistakes. But then as you pull it away, it starts to look prettier and prettier. And then you put it across the room and you're like, wow. Right? So I'll have students who no art ability whatsoever and you don't need any artistic ability to do mandala. And I explain it. I show how in a very easy, concise way. And they draw it and they look at it. and They're like, oh, I don't like mine or hers looks better or, oh, it's a mess. And I'll take it from them and hold it about two feet away. And I can see their whole body kind of relax, their face relax. And then I'll hold it either across the room or like 10 feet away. And then I see their whole like chest open and their face smile, their eyes smile, because then they see this beautiful piece of art. And it really is just like life, right? Mandala is a symbol of life. When it's close and you're looking at it micro, like under a microscope, you see all the problems, you see all the issues, of course. But if you can just step back and look at the big picture, you can see how beautiful life really is. You can see your role in it in a more macro versus micro way. And that really is life, right? Is We get busy and we look at all the details. We look at all the problems, our to-do list. But if you can just take a step back and look at the big picture of your life, and just see the things there are to be grateful for and how wonderful it is. And really, there's always something to be grateful for. That's really the beautiful thing. And so that's what mandala, that's why I love teaching mandala because I love seeing people have that aha moment. They see like all the things they did and maybe they could have done better and they don't understand like how they made that mistake. And then I pulled across the room and they don't see any of the mistakes anymore. They just see this beautiful piece of art that they created that they didn't think they could. (laughs) And so I was trained, actually, by a fantastic mandala master, Aslahan. Oh, my goodness. I'll put a link in my show notes. You do not want to miss her page or her in general. She is exactly what you would picture of, like, a mandala shaman or a mandala master. She lives in Gamushluk, Turkey, which is this artist colony right on the Aegean. Um, she has tattoos and long hair and big, beautiful eyes and is just a beautiful soul, she taught me in her white bikini with long flowing robes and um, hardly spoke any English at the time. We used a translator. Her English has gotten much better now, and I'd love to have her on my show telling her story because it's a beautiful story. Um, she, again, like a lot of healers, had a very corporate mainstream life and um, ended up going to Berlin with some friends. I don't want to give the whole thing away, but just, you know, I think it would be fun. To go to Berlin, people are getting tattoos there. That was very new. This is, you know, maybe 15 years ago or something. In Turkey, people weren't really doing tattoos. And she falls in love. She falls in love with this amazing man, the love of her life. And um, but it doesn't make sense, you know. She can't stay in Berlin. She has a corporate job. She comes back to Turkey, and you know, next thing you know, a little while later, he shows up on his doorstep, on her doorstep, with his bags, and he's like, "Okay, if you're not going to come to me, I'm going to come to you," because they just knew it was a match. They knew they were soulmates. And then they spent the next decade together doing really beautiful um, mandala art and tattoo mandala art. And she's just such a beautiful soul. And she's intuitive as well and does a lot of healing through mandala. And she teaches it. Uh, she has students all around the world. She's actually pretty famous. And she also does corporations and she does children. And she, I love when she does children, um, teaching them empathy and compassion through guided visualizations and mandala. She's really, really um, a special person. So I'll put a link in the show notes. And all of the people I've been talking about, I'll put link in the show notes. So if you're on right now listening to this and you just go click on go to show and scroll through the notes, you'll see the links there. Um, So actually, I want to also mention um, while you're on, if you're on your phone is that I would love you to follow this podcast. So if you're on Apple, you push follow. If it's on Spotify or Google, you push subscribe. I think, um, iHeartRadio and Amazon are also subscribed because the more followers and listeners and subscribers I get, the larger the reach, the more I show in the search engines, So the more people will come across this podcast. And if you love it, share it with your friends, write me a review on Apple. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And so that was just my little bit of housekeeping, my housekeeping there. So I hope that you really enjoyed um, those stories. I don't want to keep you for too long, but those are the things I get asked the most is about my healing experience, how I became a healer and um, which I was born a healer. I probably didn't even answer that concisely. I was born a healer and I have done it my whole life. I've had people drawn to me. They always tell me their stories. They say they love being around me. I just didn't realize that that is my role. Um, until much later. And I'm very excited. It's a role that I take seriously. I take it with honor. I love it. Um, I love my mentors along the way. And um, oh, I know what else I get asked. One more question is who do I follow? Like, who do I like to listen to? And there's so many people. I love Gabby Bernstein. I think she's very mainstream. Um, I love Deborah King. Uh, She can be a little um, intense sometimes, but I think she's fantastic. She has courses Uh, As far as free content, Gabby Bernstein has a ton, but I love Abraham Hicks, right? Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, Law of Attraction. She is like the godfather, godmother, whatever you want to call her, of the Law of Attraction. The movie The Secret was based on her teachings. Um, She's really fantastic. So much free content out there on YouTube. Uh, Any question you can think of. Um... Abundance Mindset, Abraham Hicks. Uh, Letting Go of Anger, Abraham Hicks. Finding Love, Abraham Hicks. How to Clear Your Mind of Negative Thoughts. How to Get Rid of Sadness. How to Manifest the Best Life. Whatever you put in there and Google, and then Abraham Hicks after, you'll get information. And she also does live sessions. Um, She goes around the country and around the world doing workshops, of course. But right now, she's doing Saturday live sessions. So you can go to her website. uh, I think it's Abraham Hicks Publications. And sign up for her um, live Saturday where you can even submit questions that you have for her. And there is a fee, but I don't think it's very expensive. Um, And I I would say that that's totally worth it. So those are people I follow. Um, I love, you know, I've listened to a lot of Eckhart Tolle, um, Joe Dispenza. um, uh, There's just so many people out there, um, Jeffrey Allen, that have helped me learn along my process. It doesn't matter who they are, what their names are, if they're famous or not famous. Just find people that resonate, that feel like home to you, and go with that. Because that you know, if it resonates and it feels good, that's it. Um, if people are a little showy and they're trying to get a lot of money from you and they want you to sign up for their workshop, that's probably not the right person. Um, you know, again, some of these people do do paid workshops, and it's worth every penny. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just, there's a lot of people out there who are being a little predatory in the spiritual awakening that our earth is in right now, where more and more people, thankfully, are becoming aware of it and interested in this kind of talk. Um, so again, just do your research, look at reviews, I really know where um, you're getting your information from. And you can always ask me. <laughs> you can always send me a direct message if there's something specifically that you want to know about. So you can find me on Instagram at you lost me at Namaste. Or Michelle Schoenfeld official. I answer all my DMs right now. I have a little extra time. You can always go to my website at Michelle at Michelle Schoenfeld.com and send me an email if you want. But again, Instagram is so easy and I, I love answering my DMs there. So feel free and it could be anything. It could be, you know, CBD, energy healing. Um, if you want any kind of resources to know more about stuff and you're not sure um, if you're on the right track Uh, If you just want a little bit of validation uh, on yourself as a healer or your own experiences, that would be great too. Um, You know, one of the hardest things to do is let go of self-importance and ego. And, you know, when you go through this process, uh, you know, it's, it's a fine line, right? You want to be proud of yourself and you want to embrace your gifts, but not in a, like, overly self-important ego kind of way. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a challenge, that whole, you know, feed your soul, not your ego. We have to feed our ego a little bit because that keeps us working. Um, but you also want to feed your soul. So how do you do that? So feel free to reach out to me on anything like that. Um, and also I wanted to let you guys know I'm so excited the Daily Saba, which is kind of like the Washington Post, I guess, um in Turkey, they did a write-up on this show. I'm so incredibly excited. And they're like, if you want to feel good and you want something enlightening that Michelle Schoenfeld with You Lost Me at Namaste is what to listen to. Very, very excited about that. So I will put a link in the show notes to that as well if you want to read the full article because I was incredibly, incredibly honored that they found me and to be featured in that. So, all right, well, that's, get, that's it for this week um, of You Lost Me at Namaste. And I am going to give us a little different mantra today. You know, I like to give a mantra every week, just a positive affirmation that you can say to yourself several times in a row throughout the week. My favorite one that we do is, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Um, that's my favorite one. I do a lot of different things. But this week, I wanted to do something that is a little spin-off of the Sufi uh, poet Rumi. And, you know... Rumi one so many quotes one of my favorite Rumi quotes Rumi quotes is I am not this hair I am not this skin I am the soul that lives within. And I really love that one because there were so many years of my life where I was very worried with the outside package. Am I skinny enough? Am I pretty enough? Do I have the right clothes? Do I have the right house? And then I had cancer and didn't have hair and you know my skin looked gross. And I was going through a divorce and you know it's like No, 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 no. I'm not this hair. I'm not this skin. I'm the soul that lives within. What kind of a human do I want to be? What kind of a soul am I? Like, what do I want to project to the world from the inside, not only the outside? And, you know, even my career before, right? I was co founder of a medical spa, which is great. I loved it. I helped people feel good on the outside, and that's wonderful. No judgment there. But now I feel like my goal is definitely to help you feel good on the inside. So that's always been one of my favorite roomy um quotes and the one i want to do for today is what you seek is seeking you right my my girlfriend Semra has that um it is very important to her my friend ghoul loves that what you seek is seeking you so i thought our mantra for today would be to remind ourselves that that it's true that good life, that happy life, those more aha moments, that loving soulmate, you know, a, a, a lover, a happy experience, just that good, abundant, wonderful, yummy life, everything that you want, it also wants you. That positive good energy that you want also wants to come to you. So you just have to get out of your own way and clear away the debris to make space for it, right? So we're going to turn that mantra into what I seek is seeking me just as a reminder to never give up and just know it as truth, right? Um, uh, You know, uh, a belief, they say, is a thought that you just keep thinking over and over. So we want to turn this into reality for ourselves, that what you seek is seeking you. So let's say it together three times. You can write it down later, put it on a sticky note, say it when you're brushing your teeth, your rearview mirror, going for a walk, whatever it is. So let's go ahead and say it together now three times. What I seek is seeking me. What I seek is seeking me. What I seek is seeking me. Yes, amen. (laughs) It's so true. Oh my goodness. All right, well, I know this has been a very casual, unusual episode today, but I just wanted to have a conversation with you guys. I have chickens in the background. I have uh, my hot tea next to me. And I just, I'm so incredibly... Thankful and grateful for all of you who've listened to this show, for all of you who are finding me now, um, for bearing with me because boy, am you know life is not perfect. I am not perfect. I make mistakes, but I love this journey of life. I really, really love it. And boy, have I made some big mistakes. Boy, have I had some rock bottom things that I am not proud of. Whoa, wowza. And at the same time, I've done a lot of really good work, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for my parents, for my children, for my life. I'm grateful for my mess-ups because they taught me important lessons. Um, and, you know, I'm, I really feel confident that the best is yet to come for all of us and just have faith in that, you know, the world is going through an ascension right now. It's shaking up. It doesn't always feel good, but we need to clear that debris and that clutter to make space for the new beautiful stuff that is coming New, beautiful stuff that is coming because it is. It really, really is. By the end of May, going into June of 2022, wow, are we going to see a lot of change in this world and a lot of good things are going to happen. Again, it's taking that step back, right? Like the mandala, taking a step back from life, a step back from the past few years and realize that the overall trajectory is up. The overall trajectory is good. It's positive, Um, really beautiful stuff. So know that you are worthy. You were born for a reason. The universe needs your gifts. I'm so glad that you've joined me on this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. And until next time, Namaste.